Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. It's found on page 98 in the Pew Bible. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our Redeemer. Amen. At our house within our family, it is kind of common knowledge that I am the sweets guy and Hannah is the carb person. And by this I mean that if I want a snack, I want something sweet. I want cookies or ice cream or something like that. But Heather would turn all those down for a bag of potato chips or popcorn or something carby and, and crunchy. We, we differ that way. But there's one time when we come together, and that's at dinner. Because I love dinner bread. I love rolls, Texas toast, French bread, garlic bread, whatever you put there. I just cannot get enough of it. Today we're talking about the bread of life. And if we're honest, it feels like we've been talking about the bread of life. This is the third week that the lectionary has talked about the bread of life, the fourth if you include the feeding of the 5,000. And unlike at dinner, I feel like I have had enough bread. While preparing for this sermon, I had to look a couple times to make sure that I wasn't reading last week's text because they begin to run together. The bread of life, check. The bread sent down from heaven, check. Eternal life, check. Eat the bread of life, check. It's all there time and again. And I felt like a broken record. But I've noticed that in the Bible, when something is repetitive, it's one of two reasons. It's either because it's very important or because it's very difficult to understand. And I think our passage today is a little bit of both. Because while Jesus is continuing to talk about Himself as the bread of life, He takes a different tone. 
He doesn't stop by saying, I am the bread of life sent down from heaven. He continues by saying, the bread that I give to you is my flesh. And you must eat of my flesh and you must drink of my blood if you want eternal life. And let's be honest, that's kind of gross. That's problematic. For us, it's easy to think of communion. In fact, I was excited last week when it matched up with communion, but when you talk about the bread of life for three weeks in a row, what does the person who wrote the lectionary expect us to do? We're good Protestants. We only have communion once a month. But to talk about the bread of life as communion is not a true reading. It's not true to the context because Jesus said this well before He sat down with the disciples at the Last Supper. He said that His flesh is the bread of life well before He took the bread and said, this is My body broken for you. So to read this passage through the lens of communion is inauthentic. And if we think this is a disturbing passage to us, imagine how the Jews gathered there that morning must have felt. The Old Testament forbids drinking the blood of any animal, much less another human. And the Greek word for eats is softened in English. In Greek, it means closer to gnaw. And if we think eating someone's flesh sounds disturbing, gnawing on somebody's flesh is even more so. Early detractors of Christianity tried to discredit Christian leaders by painting them as cannibals, by pointing to this passage, by pointing to this speech. And if we're honest, it does sound like it'd be right at home out of a zombie movie or a vampire movie with eating of flesh and drinking of blood. So what do we do with this? I'll be honest, my first instinct was to run. To skip this passage already. Bread of life, oh, we covered that last week. I'm going to go off lectionary, or I'll preach the epistle, or I'll preach the Old Testament. But I decided I couldn't do that. One, because if something is repeated, it is because it's difficult to understand, or because it's important, and this is both. But just as importantly, I feel that we can't run from something that challenges us in the Scripture. And if you haven't encountered anything in the Scriptures that challenge you, then you haven't read closely enough. Because there's something that challenges each of us. And when we come across that, we need to embrace it, and we need to wrestle with it, and we need to try to hear God's Word in it. So I decided to stay with this passage And I thought there are many different ways to approach this. This is still the day after the feeding of the 5,000 and the people gathered there would have had that miracle on their mind. And I thought about how at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus took just a few loaves and passed them and that bread seemed to go on and on without end and fed everybody there. And this could speak to God's infiniteness if we think about Christ as God's bread. And how Christ's flesh can go on and on enough for everybody. Offering salvation to all. There is no limit to God's grace. I thought about how Jesus said, the bread of heaven is my, that I give is my flesh. 
And focusing on that word give. And Christ giving of His flesh for us. Of His sacrifice. Of His grace. And talking about how His flesh given for us is a gift that we don't earn, but it's one that is freely given. I didn't feel like either of those is exactly what Christ was talking about. And then I remember this is the Gospel of John. And John is probably the most poetic of the Gospels. If you remember, John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes on to talk about how Christ is God's Word incarnate, God's Word made flesh. And we realize that John paints with a very poetic brush. And when Christ says His flesh is to be eaten, His blood is to be drinking, that He's speaking poetically. Our Old Testament reading today does not come from the lectionary. It's one I added when I first planned out this sermon weeks ago, and it had a completely different meaning. But I depict the tale of Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness when God gave them the manna from heaven. And the Jewish crowd that gathered there, their mind probably would have gone to this same passage. It's a time when God rained down heaven on their forefathers, on their ancestors, so that they were provided for, so that they had something to eat. Their mind would have gone there because Jesus directly references. He says, the bread I give is not like the bread given to your ancestors, for they died and I give eternal life. It also would have come to mind because this was during the Passover season. It'd be like if during a sermon in December I referenced the shepherds quaking at night, you would immediately think of Christmas evening. So their mind went, go to the man in the wilderness. I think there's two other scriptures we need to point to that are just as important for understanding this passage. The first is from Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 15 through 16, which reads, O Lord, You know. Remember me and visit me and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. In Your forbearance, do not take me away. Know that on Your account I suffer insult. Your words were found, and I ate them. And Your words became to me a joy. In the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name. The second passage comes from the chapter of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He said to me, O mortal, eat what is offered you. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. He said to me, mortal, eat this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it in my mouth. It was as sweet as honey. He said to me, mortal, go to the house of Israel and speak my very words to them. So here we have two passages, one about the prophet Jeremiah, the other about the prophet Ezekiel. And both of them are commanded to eat God's word. To literally consume a scroll containing God's word. And they both describe it as a joy and they describe being filled with God's Word. And then this empowers them to go out and to speak God's Word to Israel. 
to the people that they've been sent to serve, to the people they've been sent to prophesy to. When we remember that John describes Christ as the incarnate Word of God, when Christ describes eating of His flesh, this is what Christ is commanding us to do. He's he's claiming our prophetic heritage, that of Ezekiel, that of Jeremiah, that of those sent by God to speak God's Word, to share God's love. He's saying, first, you must be filled with these very things. First, you must be filled with God's Word, with God's love. If you think about it, what happens when you eat something? You digest it. It fuels you. It nourishes you. It literally becomes you. In a similar manner, when we consume the Word of God, we become transformed. We become carriers of that Word. Messengers. Just as uh, Jeremiah was, just as Ezekiel was, we are filled with the Word of God and sent out to proclaim it to those people we are sent to serve. And the Word of God is eternal. The Word of God that is Christ's flesh is without end. That's why it continues to nourish us. That's why it gives us eternal life. This is a challenging passage. One that the Jews who were gathered there wrestled with. They said, how is this possible? How do we eat His flesh? But when we understand that Christ is the incarnate Word, we remember that Christ is calling us to prophesy. Calling us to be messengers to be servants. He's reminding us that we have a people that we are called to serve. But we cannot serve them on our own. We cannot serve them unless we're full of God's love, of God's Word, of God's truth, of God's grace. And to do that, just as Jeremiah did, just as Ezekiel did, we must consume of the Word of God. And God has offered His Word made flesh. And it's in that flesh that we find the truth. Amen.